Welcome to the MIND podcast. MIND stands for Michigan New Educators. This podcast is a place where new educators and sometimes their guests offer encouragement and insight into a profession understood by few but talked about by many. So whether you are an educator, love an educator, want to be an educator, or just need to learn more about us, we're glad you're here. Our hosts are four early career teachers brought together by the Michigan Education Association. The MEA is here to help educators in all stages of their careers. And that's the school bell, signaling it's time to start. to a new episode from MINE, Michigan New Educators. Um, We are coming to you today with a little bit of a smaller group. So as our MINE team is growing, we realize that having six opinionated uh, teachers in one podcast might be a bit much, so we're bringing you a little bit of a smaller group today. Um, Today we're going to be talking about toxic positivity. Um, My name is Amanda. I'm a German teacher in Rochester. My name is Brittany and I teach third grade in Monroe. And we also have a lovely new Mine Hub coordinator. Go ahead. I'm Colin. I'm a social studies teacher in Royal Oak. We are excited to have you here. And I know it's nice too to just have a male presence because we got Anthony in here and now we have Colin. So today we are talking about toxic positivity and Some of you might not recognize the definition or the word, but it's defined as really just when someone is telling you, um, it could be worse, look on the bright side. You know, they might say, they might focus on the positive and reject or deny the negativity or like the negative situation that's happening without giving any emphasis on the reality that's kind of what you're facing. Yeah, to start with, I think it's important to consider where uh, where a lot of this toxic positivity comes from. And, and it gets set up by the idea that we're working within a structure that's not necessarily conducive to students, to teachers, to the community. So all of these expectations, all of these different things get placed on the school district to solve a lot of these problems uh, or just different components. And it's really hard to make that work. So a lot of times the only way bridge the gap between the expectation and then the system that we're placed in is a lot of extra labor on the part of the teacher. It's going that extra mile. I I always hear that all the time, right? Do you go above and beyond in your execution? Do you go above and beyond in what you're doing for students? And while I think a lot of us try and get there and a lot of us try and do those things because we do love our job, at the end of the day, it is a job. And I think there's, it can be problematic to live in a structure that the expectation is unpaid labor. Yeah, I think that these structural problems, they expand even from just issues that affect teachers, but we also have these larger issues that affect students too. I mean, if you look at the times that secondary schools start in the morning, you know, they start at 7.20, 7.30, even though we have, you know, tons of research that shows that high schoolers, need to their 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 circadian rhythm requires that they sleep later in the day and we're still expecting them to you know sit down and learn 
physics or chemistry at, at 7.30 in the morning when that's not even how their brain works. So there's systems, there's so many systems that are illogical that are, effect, that are affecting it. And that makes me even think about um, in my district, trimester one, you know, we had a flow, we had a routine structure. It was guided by the district. You know, they sent out, okay, elementary, you're following this, but of course with your specials and whatnot, you might have to tweak it. So we finally get into the rhythm of that. And then it was, okay, trimester two, we're totally changing the schedule and you have to do it this way. And we were all just like, parents were freaking out. The kids were, you know, stressed out because their parents were freaking out. And I was just there, me trying to be positive. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. You guys are going to be amazing. We're going to get it nailed down. And it's like in the back of my mind, I wanted to flip a table because I was just like, how do we, you know, we're changing it up again and we just got into the routine. So that really, Colin, makes me think of the whole like problem with, I guess, creating. And and it's like, I understand that you want to make things cohesive for everybody, but it's like, let's just, if it's going good, let's just roll with it. So. And I think when you look at that, and that, I think that's what frustrates many teachers, right? With this talk, like we want to be positive. We want to provide the single greatest and best experience for all of our kids and all of our learners. But when you're starting from a position of inadequacy, we look at those two things. And I think it becomes really difficult for us to, to, to put those pieces together and make that coherent. You know, how do I provide the best experience and make sure every learner is getting what they need? when I know I'm not going to have the resources, when I know I'm not going to have the structural pieces that are important to make those things happen. And I think that's where many teachers really get burned out because they want to make it happen, but they don't know how to figure out how to get there. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, especially for your newer teachers. I mean, we have teachers joining the profession who, you know, can't even afford to live in the districts that they teach in sometimes. And then they end up, you know, picking up second jobs. I mean, I nannied literally every year of teaching until this year. And this is my fifth year teaching. And I still had to make some extra money on the side and still, you know, do all the things that an early career educator has to do. And it was just kind of seen as normal, you know? And I think until you know an educator and you live with an educator or see what's going on, most people have no idea. I mean, the the change that my fiance has had since, you know, since us living together and him seeing how much time I spend working, I mean, he would have never known that before. He, mm-hmm. he would have just assumed, oh yeah, teachers, it's great. You have summers off. And I think that a lot of times it's just normal, right? Teachers just, they just chug along and they do their extra work and they have their second job. And it's not seen as strange until someone outside the profession is like, why are you working on a Sunday? Right. <laughs> and I think like, Amanda, I agree because I mean, I've worked every single summer. I tutor on the side, like, but what profession do you know that ever has to have a side job or like a side hustle or something? None. I mean, I have my master's degree and I'm, I'm waitressing in the summer. Like, does that even, what master's degree, like who has a master's degree and has to do that? Like, yeah, it's, it's sad. And I know people always say, well, you knew this going into it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we understood that, you know, we weren't going to get paid as as much as we hoped to, but I feel like a part of us are always like hoping or like wishing like, well, one day it might change or the system could change it, the funding or honestly, I was never even taught funding in college. So I had no idea about school funding, what it meant. 
you know, how the funds are allocated until my master's courses and being in the system. But I just think that it's just, that's hard too. I mean, I know a teacher when I first started at my school that she was um, teaching for a long time, again, had a second job that she worked literally during the year. I want to say it was like in the, she was waitressing and just couldn't do it anymore. You know, like you're just like, I can't, I can't take on all of this and balance all of this and like try to like provide for my family. So it's, it is hard. And I just hope one day, hope one day we might see a little bit of change, especially in the funding aspect of it. Yeah. I think too, I mean, that messaging too, that I think we've all heard that's, well, you new teachers were underpaid when you got into it as if, I mean, and I always kind of question, okay, would you have preferred that I became a teacher for the money? Like, isn't it better that I became a teacher because I want to, I want to teach. And I was like, it should, I'm not wearing it as a badge of honor. Like I signed up for an underpaid career, but that's so odd that that's that you're like, well, you knew that you were going to be underpaid. So it's okay that we underpay you. Like that doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's not logical. I believe in any other profession, if you feel underpaid, you can talk with, you know, have a meeting, discuss it. Let's reevaluate this. Let's, you know, but for us, it's fine. It's okay. Right. They'll take it on. They'll give them five more things to do. It's, It's fine. Right. Smile. And so I know we've, we've been talking about, about like, you know, big system things, but also I feel like a lot of teachers are having a lot of pressure from their district. So Brittany, what were you going to kind of share about that? So I know just in terms <laughs> of, you know, I just feel like it comes from a place of that toxic positivity. You know, we, we want things to be as normal as possible. So we want you guys to still feel like you are giving kids like the utmost like high quality instruction that you can, you, you're still making a difference, you know, even though you're virtual. And I feel like, um, you know, it's like, I feel like people aren't realizing, or maybe they are, they're just trying to like act like we're not in a pandemic, but at the end of the day, we are teaching in a pandemic and, you know, we've been online since September and it's just like, all right, well, how can you make your, your school or your classroom student centered? You know, what things can you do now is the time to be creative and all of that. And it's like, I, I understand and I want to, and I try to like make things or do things, but there's just not enough hours in a day. And I feel like then after you make all of the things or you're on zoom all day long, you just need to walk away from the computer, you know, and a lot of teachers, I feel like would spend their downtime making things or doing things. And now it's like, we don't even want to be on the computer, but you know, when you're getting pop, people are popping in for high quality instruction, instruction walks and stuff in your zooms. I feel like it's just like me personally, as a teacher, I'm always like, Oh my gosh, I got to make sure I look like I'm rocking this out. You know, am I putting accountable talk in there? Are my students like, am I formatively assessing them? And they're like, check, I'm checking in with them and I'm like checking all the boxes off. And that, again, that just anxiety levels go high because that stress level. And I don't think that it's coming from a bad place. I feel like I said, I think that the districts are, they want us to continue to grow and not feel like we're worthless or we're not doing something um, because we're online, but it's like, can we please just take a step back and kind of assess our teachers, our students, and like get a feel for it then, and then kind of sprinkle in some extra stuff. It's like, we already have a lot going on and it's hard to 
to balance everything. And it's okay if you're not, if you're freaking out about stuff like that right now, and you might, there might be a teacher that feels like, oh my, or you think, wow, they're rocking this online learning and I am closing my computer right away, or maybe like 10 minutes early because I just had enough. And so I just feel like we can't let ourselves like, don't get into the comparing thing, especially now, like we shouldn't ever, but right now is the time where it's like, worry about you, worry about your class and do the best you can do because your social, emotional, like being your well-being, really, really needs to be the priority right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I I was just going to, I think that's really important too, though, with, with making decisions for your class. I think that's so important because I know I've made decisions about, I want to do the form, like I want to add, I was like, I want to sprinkle in more formative assessment for my kids, but then I'm putting them on Pear Deck, which is pushing them to a new app. And I'm like, well, am I putting it, if they're on Canvas and they're on this, you know, type of video conferencing, and then now I'm pushing them here, is that too much? Is that too little? I'm comparing it to what some other folks have done in trying to compare notes. And so there's that, like with the social emotional piece, there's that concern too, is, is I'm sitting there thinking about, well, am I doing what's best for my kids? I want to get this information. I want to see the impact, but maybe there's a different way I'm doing it. And so all of those decision-making processes can be really difficult as well in that comparison, because you're just trying to figure out well, what's best for the, the kids. But then you're also sitting there, well, am I pushing them to too much? Am I disadvantaging a kid that doesn't have the technological piece? Yeah. And I just think like that's a part of this is that people don't consider what seems like an easy decision to say, well, go on Pear Deck. There's like 17 things you have to think about to decide whether or not that's an equitable decision for your kids. And I just think that's so important that that you brought up there. That's huge, Colin. I uh, Sorry, Amanda, this is quick. No. I just feel, I I feel like we are thinking about so many more things than we normally would when we're in the classroom. And like you said, I don't think that that's really taken into consideration right now is the like everything that's going on in our heads. Like there's just so much right now. And I think also what a lot of teachers are feeling is really isolated, you know, from working from home or even some teachers might have to, you know, report and work from their buildings, but you're still not meeting at the teacher's lounge for lunch or having, you know, popping in and chatting during a passing time. And so a lot of those things where you could normally just pop in and say, oh, hey, did you try using Pear Deck? How how did it work with your kids? Was it easy? We're missing that, right? And Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of teachers that like, they don't want to be an extra email in another teacher's inbox, right? They don't, and I, you know, I feel bad reaching out to other teachers and asking them anything or to share anything during this time because everyone's overworked, right? Everyone has so many emails. Um, So I think, you know, this, this, pandemic affects so many things, but it really has isolated teachers from their coworkers. And we're making decisions as if, you know, it's so, it's so odd because teaching is such a social profession and now we're totally isolated and it can be really tough. I agree with that, Amanda. I think that um, another point I wanted to make about the pressure from the district that I forgot is our schedule is like strange, of course, because it's virtual, but um, Fridays, we have half days. And so the kids can be done at 12. And then like every single Friday, we have to do some type of PD, whether it's like a meeting or we actually have like this past Friday, we had a like, um, kind of like a whole district. I don't even want to, I don't even know professional development where like teachers presented and all kinds of stuff. So it's like, Every, I mean, that one doesn't happen all the time, but usually it's like either you meet with like your whole uh, grade level committee, 
um, you're meeting with your building, you're meeting with your, just your grade level, like within your building. And that is just another thing that it's like, can I get a Friday where I just close my computer and I'm done? <laughs> and, but so I feel like I just don't know why that's not really taken into consideration. And then that again goes to the whole, like, where is that social emotional piece for, you know, the kids get that half day off because we, we know that we, we want them to go do something physical, get outside, move around their house, get off technology. And it's like, can we, can we do that same thing for the teachers too? So, I mean, and I don't want to complain, but it's just, we have to also think about, yes, those are all sketch credits, um, which is nice. Like our district always provides a lot of that. And, um, so we do get to fill that out every time, but it's just, sometimes it's like, can you throw in a break for us every, every couple of weeks, just give us a break. That's all. Definitely. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I think that also a lot of what's happening is teachers are feeling super, super stressed. They have tons of pressure from their district. They, they're working in this system that doesn't work. And then whenever you see sort of a positive story about a teacher in the news or on Facebook, it always seems to be some educator who is dedicating huge amounts of their own personal time or huge amounts of their own personal income or resources to do something for students. And those are the teachers that we hear about on the news, right? We don't hear about the teacher who's up until nine o'clock changing their lesson plans to reach the kids, right? We hear about the teacher who dropped off Christmas presents for everyone in their class. Or we hear about the teacher who, you know, is teaching from a hospital as if that is a positive thing, right? We're seeing, oh, this teacher is so dedicated. She was in the hospital with COVID and she kept teaching and Zoomed from her hospital bed. And the reaction from some people is, oh my gosh, she loves her students so much, which is shocking, right? Because to me, I can't imagine an accountant or, you know, my fiance works in mortgages. I can't imagine him being on a hospital bed and being like, okay, and I just need to get your W-2s in and then I can verify, like that's not, that's so odd. And it would be seen as weird in any other career. But for teachers, it's, oh, they really care about their students. And so we have sort of this distortion of how teachers are represented in media, right? And there seems to be a few tropes. There is the teacher who, the, the white teacher, mostly a white female teacher who goes into the inner city and manages to trick all of these students into loving literature and she's the savior, right? There's one. The other one is the teacher who has a relationship with a student. That's mm -hmm. the other one. Or there's the mousy sort of elementary school teacher who is, you know, oh, she needs, you know, a makeover or something like that. Those are the tropes of teachers. We don't really have any valid representation of what our career looks like. School is never properly represented in TV shows. I mean, you look at a high school show and you can watch it. I'm like, well, that's not what high schoolers look like. They're smaller than that. They're not 25 with a, you know, an eight pack and that's not what they look like. <laughs> and so we have this distorted view in media of what people think education is. We have a distortion, I think, on social media where we have, you know, teachers who, you know, their classrooms look like an amusement park, which, hey, if that's you, whatever. I mean, good for you. It, it ain't me, but go on with your bad self. But I think a lot of times what happens is teachers then see that and they think, especially early career educators, right, new teachers, 
they see these teachers whose classrooms look like something out of Universal and they go, oh my gosh, I have to do that. And they go and spend $600 at Staples. Yeah. Right? And then like, and then they realize, oh, I didn't, I didn't have to do that. So I think that's another issue, right? And that's really all sort of fueled by this toxic positivity that we don't see the teachers on Instagram who are closing their laptops at 2.30 because they just can't anymore, right? We don't see that. So I think yeah. that's another, another massive issue as well. I'm definitely guilty of the whole Instagram teacher trying to make my classroom like the cutest classroom ever. Not that I want to compete with anyone, but just for me, like myself, I'm like, oh, I love that. I got to do that. But then like you said, Amanda, you're spending so much. I don't even add it up. (laughs) If I I buy something like, well, of course this, I didn't do anything this summer at all because we weren't even really allowed. And then I figured we were going to be virtual. So my classroom is still like in boxes and stuff, but but like prior years, like I will not add everything up that I've like randomly spent throughout the summer because if I did, it would be ridiculous and I would probably smack myself. Yeah. And then like you go to do your taxes and you can only write off $250. When I first figured that out, I looked at the tax person and I was like, do you know how much money I spent <laughs> in my classroom? And they're like, oh, I know, I know you're such a great teacher, but this is all they'll allow. And I'm just like, really, can we just like, let, give us a little bit of something. It's like, if you can't pay us, then give us like stuff like that. Like give us a little bit of a write-off, a little bit extra than $250 or, or maybe even, um, our student loans, right? Like give us a little bit more forgiveness in that area. And it's like, there has to be some type of balance with all of that somehow, some way. Yeah, I, I remember when I first heard about that, that, that you could only write off $250 of, you know, things for your school supplies and stuff. And I just thought that was so odd because, you know, I could be somewhat, well, I could never, but like I could be a, a video game reviewer on YouTube or something or a live streamer. And I would be able to write off any video game that I bought to do that in any console or whatever, but I can't write off expo markers that I buy for my students. Like, it seems like it just seems so oddly punitive to one career to be like, well, yes, if you want to be a professional, whatever model, you can have all of these different outfits and you can write them all off. But if you're a teacher, only $250, otherwise out of your own pocket. Like, it's so odd. It's terrible. I, um, I also just think that right now, especially like you, you even see, or I have seen on Instagram, just some of the teachers that are going, Oh my gosh, like above and beyond with like the resources they're creating or, you know, just still talking and like, they're super positive and all that. And that's great. Cause that's their presence that they have to put on. But again, I think it's, it can really mess with a new teacher's mind, a veteran's teacher's mind, but you're really just, you got to come back to reality and remember they're either doing this because they have so many followers and they can get paid Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's, that's not reality. And I think it's hard, especially for new teachers and, and new teachers right now, I go out, my heart goes out to all of them because it's like, just please stick with it. We, um, if this is not what it's always going to look like, and this, I can't imagine going into it, feeling the way that, that they're feeling right now, because I know how I'm feeling. And this is my fifth year teaching. And I was like, when I, when all of this was like, the pressure was so like heavy on me, I was like, you know what? I could 
I totally could quit right now. I could absolutely quit. I don't want to quit, but that's like how you're just like, I didn't go to school for this. This isn't what I wanted, you know, and you can go through the whole list of how terrible it is. But then when you stay there and you like just focus on it so much, it makes it a lot worse. So we have to find that happy medium between the toxic positivity and the negativity and like, just be, be you and try to think about reality and a little bit of positivity maybe, but you can have bad days. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's when we, when thinking about new teachers, that that's what just really concerns me. And I know when I look at it and I think about me and many of the things, right. Comparing myself to other teachers, looking at these other things and saying, well, they're doing it this, am I doing it the right way, the wrong way and these different district pressures. And, and I think what's so important to realize is if you want to go out there and, and as you all have said, do some of these offices, like go for it. Like, like that's mm-hmm. awesome. But, but I think the concern is the expectation that that is normalized. It's the same thing. Like people used to say, well, you, you know, you, know, you don't talk about, you know, what you make your salary. Well, why? Like we should talk about that. There's a reason there's a gender pay gap. We need to have a conversation about that. So I think the more that we can normalize some of these things of saying there, there does need to be structural time to shut it down. There does need to be structural time to go get your graduate degree. To, to balance the wonderful, awesome positives that is teaching with some of the pieces that have been placed upon us, we've just been told, figure it out. And that's mm-hmm. been the pretty continuous messages, figure it out. And so I, I just, it concerns me for new teachers because I'm struggling with for them, what is the reason to stick with it? What is the reason to be in the field? Because it used to be this wonderful, these relationships you could build and, and the, the really cool things that, that kids would do and you just it was empowering to see those kids feel empowered and, and feel valued and and watch what happens but again that that's where there's this concern in this environment and we can't keep losing new teachers and, and so that's where it's again finding that balance I think is so important yeah I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there Colin I mean I find myself so this is also my fifth year teaching and more often like more often than not lately I just keep telling myself you just got to get through this year. You just got to get through this year. It's going to eventually go back to what it's supposed to be. And it's funny that, you know, in a normal year, teaching is still stressful, right? Teaching is still stressful and I'm still working hard and stuff. But now I'm like so nostalgic for, you know, just going into a classroom and teaching and talking to students. And I think, you know, that's, one positive I have is I can remember, right? I can remember the good time. I have that reference. And for teachers who, you know, started their first year teaching this year, which means they finished up student teaching at the beginning of the pandemic when truly no one knew anything, right? If you think about what we were doing in March, I mean, no one had any idea what was going on at all. Mm -hmm. And to now being in this world where you're teaching and you don't have something to look forward to. You don't, you have this idea of what teaching is from what you heard in college and maybe you did some observations, but you haven't truly taught yet. So I can see why a lot of new teachers are just, you know, leaving because this is really hard. It's hard for first year teachers and, you know, 30th year teachers. It's hard for everybody. And if you don't have that carrot kind of to look forward to of it's going to go back to normal I'm going to be able to build these relationships with kids again I'm going to be able to have a classroom again it's just really really difficult I agree Amanda I feel like I just want I mean that's something that I hold on to like you said you know you're hoping that one day it'll go back to normal one day and then you remember the good times and I just hope new teachers stick it out because 
it will be worth it eventually when we do get to go back and and then you'll be able to have your real classroom and your real students. And it might still look a little different because I'm sure we're not going to be like 100% back to right. what we were, but at least to have those physical bodies. And I feel like a lot of us are pouring from an empty cup, you know, because we don't get that <clears throat> consistent, like, you know, refilling. Whereas when you're in the classroom, you are always like, and I know for me, I'm always getting like, you know, like you said, there's bad days, but they're the reason why like I can be positive because they fill me up. So I feel like, yes, it happens a little bit on zoom. You know, I'm not going to totally knock my virtual classroom because things are going pretty smooth for what it is. But I feel like, um, obviously in person is much better. So. Yeah. I find myself too the, the students who I seem to be making a connection with over zoom and, you know, that seem to like me and seem to like German. All I can think of, too, is, man, if you were in person, you know, like that, that's the thing that I keep going back to. It's like, if you like me and you only see me for an hour, you would love, I mean, who knows, maybe that would be too much, but like, you would love to be in class. I mean, that we would have so much fun. And, you know, that to me is, it, it's sort of this, it's happy, but it's also, it kind of like cuts a little bit because I'm like, man, if you like doing essentially virtual worksheets and, you know, a couple videos, you would love class. And like, so I'm also, I'm sad for them. You know, I'm sad for me and I'm sad for them because I know what, you know, I know what they would normally be able to do and to not be able to to only do a fraction of that. It just makes me sad. And I just like, I'm still grieving over our year ending last year and me losing out all my time with my amazing class that I had last year. And then, you know, normally you start a new year, you get new students, but you can always see your former kids in the hall and say hi. And for me, it's like, that's still something that that's very like upsetting to me because I can't, I don't get to see how they're doing. I can't check up on them. I can't, you know, they're fourth grade now. So it's like, it's not like I can like, I don't know. I don't keep in touch with the families, of course. Like I have obviously a million things to do. And so I don't know what's going on in their lives. And when your year just gets cut off like that, and then, you know, I still feel like a lot of people are probably still feeling that, wow, I'm still so sad that that happened, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, at the end of the year last year. And I know when I see, when I ran into some of those kids, um, one of the families came to the school to like play on the playground and they were just like, air hug. I missed you. Hope you're, you know, I'm still sad that our year, our year ended. I'm just like me too. But, but what can you do? Right. I mean, we just have to, I always just keep telling myself, go with the flow. We can't control this and, and try to do our best, but we just have to remember to not let the toxic positivity get to us because that can really help us or not help us. And it can kind of make us self-destruct a little bit. So especially right now, take this time to give yourself a break because you need it. You deserve it. You've been working really hard, no matter which type of teacher you are and what you're doing, you are doing amazing. Yeah. And I think, I know I found myself of getting ready for break and being excited to I'm going to have so much time to get work done. Like that was my first thought. And I am normally so not that teacher. I mean, normally when it's break, I am like laptop out, I'm out by like 2.35, have a nice day, 
I'll see you in two weeks. But this year I find myself going, you know what, oh, this is going to be great. I can get a lot of work done. I'll be tall, tons of time. And I had to like check myself and be like, you're going to keep your laptop closed until like this time, you know, I went out and bought, I'm like, you're going to make hot cocoa bombs today. You're going to bake some new cookies. You're going to do like, I'm trying to, I'm like forcing myself into yeah. self-care. So I stopped working. <laughs> so I think, you know, even, even if you have to kind of like force yourself into some self-care, do it right. You'll feel, I think you'll feel better. Um, but I like, I'm fully aware I'm going to have to do some work over break, but I'm not going to have it be, I'm hoping to not have it be constant. Right. So I guess if you, if you have to do work over break, that's okay. Try and be balanced about it. Right. I think we're all in very different positions. Um, have some time for self-care, and, you know, do what you have to do to be your best, your best self, but don't feel guilty one way or the other. If your laptop is closed, I'll break. Good for you. <laughs> if you build four new units, good for you, right? You need to do what's best, best for you. Yes, I agree with that, Amanda. We just have to, I like how you said the list, you know, like force yourself to do something, even if you're <laughs> the person that wants to work. That's, that's a great idea. Um, so thank you so much for listening today. Um, we stay tuned for the other half of our mind crew. They will be coming out with a podcast, Danielle, Anthony, and Sky. Um, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media. Um, it is MI New Educators. We are trying to stay relevant and push some stuff out on our social media apps, um, especially Facebook, I would say. So take a look at that just for some easy viewing and um, nothing crazy, just some, some real positivity. And hope you guys all have a great break and get some rest. <laughs>